because look, I know you're a wise man. And so you mustn't, you, you must understand that I'm a baby in wisdom, but I'm not a fool. And he's saying here today that the Caucasian is in fact the, whole, the oldest group on the planet. I beg to differ. Look, look, one of the most famous anthropologists is Professor Leakey. And when Professor Leakey went in search of the origin of human beings and human species, he didn't stop very long in Europe. He went to Africa. And the oldest bones and the oldest human beings to this day that you call Zinzanthropus, using the Latin meaning Zin and Zanthropus, meaning a black man, that oldest man, they say, is millions of years old. Because of that fact, Native Africans have been experimented on more than any other people on the planet. The reasons behind this experiment is known as scientific racism, the eugenics theory. Foreign Concept, the unapologetically black podcast. 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 Charles Darwin believed that the human race was all under one species, and rightly so. However, his cousin, Sir Francis Galton, inspired by the rhetoric, survivor of the fittest, created eugenics, the theory of the gene pool, the idea that one race is superior to the others. Eugenics was a social movement that presumed to divide the human race between the so-called fit and the so-called unfit. In other words, decide which humans were better than other humans. The theory behind eugenics has shaped society as we see it today. Scientists, essentially, created the human hierarchy where the Caucasians are at the top and the remaining races beneath them. How do you create a structure that benefits those who claim to be superior without physically proving that they are? By using science. Scientists use human zoos as an opportunity to study and to investigate humankind close up. Huge fairs were staged in every great city, bringing the world to the public. From Italian gondolas to African elephants. But it wasn't just animals and objects that were exhibited. Live human beings were put on display. These were human zoos. The poster boy for these human zoos was an African pygmy called Ota Benga. Ota Benga was a pygmy from the Congo in Africa who came first to this country uh, with a Presbyterian missionary. Probably the most famous thing that he's known for was for being exhibited at the Bronx Zoo in New York in the same cage with an orangutan with chimpanzees. Benga's story is another that is lost in the record books, even though it only occurred less than 113 years ago. To put that into perspective, the story of Henry VIII and his six wives happened in the 1500s. However, we are all taught about it in school, but the story of the human zoos that happened here in London more recently are not included in the curriculum. Why? Because of those who attended these zoos. 
Human zoos were such a big draw that every major city had to stage one. In 1924, King George V and Queen Mary inspected the live exhibits at the British Empire Exhibition at Wembley. Everyone wanted to be in on the act. Otabenga's story from humanity to being put on display involved a lot of people who are all part of the eugenics experiment, except maybe one, Samuel Phillips Vernon, the first Caucasian Otabenga encountered. Reports claim he had a good relationship with Otabenga and the other natives he managed to deceive in order to take them back to America. It's a conundrum on him. The only silver lining with this guy is that the fact that he stated the likes of Otabengas were in fact 100% human. The man responsible for Otabengas' voyage to America was William McGee. McGee had one simple mission, to create the biggest, baddest human zoo to prove to the world that the white race was at the top of the tree in terms of the human race. He agreed with Charles Darwin's theory. Darwin's inspiration came from an economist, Thomas Malthus, who believed that humans reproduced faster than their food supply. Darwin realised that animals always breed beyond their available resources, so the individuals who were better at surviving would be the ones to reproduce. This way, they would pass on any traits that had helped them survive. Survive, 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 survive. He took Darwin's theory of evolution and turned it into a freak show. He made up his own theory to explain the physical differences between the races. Whereas Darwin saw the human race as one species, he saw each race as a different stage in man's evolution. He believed that the pygmies were at the start of the evolution and the Caucasian was the final product. To prove his theory right, he sent explorers all over the world. He decided to bring the extreme. He wanted to get the tallest people in the world and he thought they were people from Patagonia, which is down at the tip of South America, okay? Since there was the tallest people in the world, he wanted the smallest people in the world. So he went over, he sent an expedition over to the Belgian Congo in that area to get pygmies. He wanted the Ainu who were up in this island north of Japan, supposedly the hairiest people in the world. He also wanted the, what he considered the most primitive American Indian group, which was the Kokopo in Mexico. McGee wanted the Eskimo, people from South Africa. In June 1904, he opened a human zoo that science used to study the human race. The slogans for these zoos were as followed. Their bodies are exceptionally hairy. A pygmy has been known to eat 60 bananas at one meal, in addition to other foods, and then ask for more. If caught young, they are said to make excellent servants. They seem to be controlled by an impulse that makes them delight in wickedness. The zoo attracted thousands of visitors a day, and this was only 113 years ago, so people accepted this as the social norm. Within these zoos, the captive humans were told to recreate their natural environment 
These people were under the impression that they were on a diplomatic mission to show the Western world how civilised and cultured they were. McGee already had his theory on the likes of the Trois. He placed them at the bottom of the human race. To him, they were stupid and savages. But obviously, he didn't listen to my last episode of Foreign Concept, where I talk about the Trois being the first civilization in Ireland roughly around 10,000 years ago. Otabenga and his fellow captives were blowing McGee's theory off the table that he became extremely harsh to them and he was given a nickname, the Overlord of the Savage World. What's your name? Toby with an I, with an accent over the I, and a little line over the O, so you know it's a long vowel sound and not a short one. And sometimes I like to dot the I with a little smiley face or a heart or something. Something to brighten the reader's day. I asked you what your name was! Honey, you keep that up. It's whatever you want it to be. Long story short, McGee quit studying humans. He believed that he failed to gather enough evidence to prove his theory that the Europeans were in fact the superior race, that a year after the fair opened, he turned his back on human study and started focusing on studying rocks. <laughs> At the stage of Otter Benga's journey, he was somehow thriving, even though he was being held captive. He used to get um, paid to smile for photographs and would get five cents and 25 cents and sign his autograph, which is how they made money there. As McGee's human zoo had failed dramatically in terms of proving the likes of Otabenga were the first stage in man's evolution. It is said that Benga was sent back to Congo, married, but his wife died, so his fellow tribesmen rejected him because apparently he brought bad luck. A few months later, he travelled back to America with Vernon, started working in a museum where it is said he dazzled visitors with his knowledge of elephants and the fact that he could make them do things in which they didn't know elephants were capable of doing. Things took a turn for the worst, with headlines from the New York Times stating, A Bushman, one of a race in which scientists do not rate highly in the human scale, is put in a cage with monkeys and gorillas. Benga went from being in a human zoo with fellow humans to being locked up in a cage with animals. They justified this by essentially saying he didn't have the mental capacity to understand what was happening at the time, so he wouldn't know the differences. This article was published on the 9th of September 1906. They even described him as the missing link. The man who was in charge of this exhibition, which put Otabenga in a cage, was William T. Holiday. On the opening day of the exhibition, 40,000 people came to see Otabenga and the monkey he was paired with. The exhibition lasted for two weeks. African-American church ministers insisted that Otabenga be released, not because the exhibition was racist or unhumane, but because they thought Otabenga ought to be converted into Christianity. People don't understand 
no matter what religion you are or whatever, your blackness comes first. It has to. You could choose whatever religion you want to be. You could wake up one day and you could be this religion. You can identify with that religion. But the one thing that don't change is your race. Your blackness. You can't change that. You can't change your history. Generation after generation, your ancestors, you can't change that. That is who you are. After the two weeks of the exhibition, Otabenga, who was a grown man, was placed in an orphanage where, it is said, by hopefully spending time with the coloured children at the orphanage, who have also been civilised, Benga will learn their ways, thus becoming civilised. Exhibiting Benga in a zoo alongside animals was not designed to be a circus show, but to normalise and justify the ideology that there was a human hierarchy and the likes of people who looked like Benga were at the bottom of the food chain. The display had been masterminded by a guy called Madison Grant. Grant funded the zoo. He is socially accepted as one of America's greatest racists. He was a eugenicist who argued that evolution should not be left to chance. He had decided to put Otterbenga on display to educate the masses about scientific racism. Madison Grant died in 1937. His family burnt all his documents. His remaining legacy, apart from the ideology he left his family and his followers, is a book. The book is a classic. What is this book that you're reading? This book is The Passing of the Great Race by Madison Grant, a classic of American racist literature. You would think that the book would cause a lot of controversy, as according to some, racism was a thing of the past. But no, the book was a bestseller when it was first published in 1916, simply because it prompted the idea of a superior race. The Nazis named Madison Grant's book in her defence whilst at the war court. They said they learned everything they knew from the likes of America and Madison Grant. They got away with murder They got away with murder They got away with murder And this is Jay Hussby born I wanna go there uh. No, I can't say that Fez listening, I can't talk about payback But please act Don't play foolish Millions have been slaughtered and dehumanised in the name of science. As for Otta Benga, after he was freed, he decided to stay in America for a little bit. But due to trauma and the things he saw whilst at a zoo, he ended up committing suicide in 1916. The father of eugenics is Sir Francis Galton. He went on to receive a knighthood for whatever they deemed was just. I find that interesting because it's like rewarding someone for creating something that destroyed millions of life. It's like it's just dust under the carpet. I hope that in 2019, people come to the conclusion that ethnic race doesn't have a hierarchy. If you don't, then you are. You are the donkey of the
foreign concept, the unapologetically black podcast. <laughs>